Back in on Canucks Central. We're here at uh, Goodco on Granville. Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am Draft Night. Pro-Am is uh, an incredible event that we are uh, happily partnered with each and every year in the Autism Network this year, drawing over $1 million in donations, 18 different teams contributing to that, and uh, it's pretty incredible what the Canucks Autism Network uh, does for families in this community. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah as the Pro-Am Draft Night, so Canucks alumni get drafted into uh, some of the uh, teams of the beer leaguers uh, and get to play with them over the course of the weekend. So we're hoping uh, we'll have a couple of the alumni join us through the course of the night, including uh, Michael Delzato, Mm -hmm. Kyle Turris, Megan Augusta, Matthew Barnaby, Darcy Hordachuk. Uh, There's uh, quite a few uh, pretty incredible players that are going to be in attendance here tonight. Now, piggybacking off of some of our conversations in the mailbag, um, I I think – there's obviously an easy um, reevaluate moment here for the Vancouver Canucks. Ten games into the season. Yeah. Now, it may be clouded by the seven wins they have in the ten games. Fifteen points out of a possible 20. All very good. We understand that some factors are going to regress and the Canucks aren't going to play at this sort of points pace for the entire year. But so says you, Dan. Still a lot to be excited about, obviously. And I think, like, do we need to reevaluate what the ceiling of this team could be given what they've shown in the first 10 games? I think it's a fair discussion point. Yeah. Um, I hate being like, you know, let's let's see a little bit. Because here's the thing. Like, I think this is a good team. I it's think always they're a easy to team. say let's see a little bit more, right? It is, right? Now, I, will t- I would say because of the heater they've been on, what you're seeing right now is them at their hottest, essentially. It's hard to judge somebody based on how they're at at their hottest. You also have to kind of see what are they going to be like if they've lost three in a row, which might happen, right? Or like when some guys are struggling to score and how does the team react? How do they handle that? That's the test, true test of are you a good team or not? How you handle those types of moments in a season? We haven't seen that yet, right? Yeah. But I do think that we, we shouldn't be talking about, oh, can this team sustain this to make the playoffs? It should be about how good can this team really be? And I do think that's how we should frame our conversations about it. It's like, well, how high is the ceiling instead of, oh, um, are they a playoff team or not? Because I think clearly we should assume they are a playoff team, but how much better can you be than that? And I think that's the exciting part about finding out what's going to happen as the season goes on here. And I would say I'm more optimistic than a lot of people that point to their numbers and say regression, regression, regression. And I understand that. And one thing I would also say is the public data is not as indicative as it's often made out to be, especially when people cite expected goals or, you know, this and that. Yeah, and it's, yeah. like, it's like, yes, it gives you a, an idea, but not every chance to create it equal. For instance, last night against San Jose, would you say, by the metrics, the Sharks were slightly better in terms of creating scoring chances, five on five, right? Yeah. Are you telling me that they created better quality scoring chances than the Canucks did? Uh, no. No. They created a couple of scoring chances in the first period, but like once the game is 4 nothing, it's kind of a wash after that. It is, but in terms of... The Canucks chance- are like just playing whomever, so the, the, the numbers kind of get skewed based on game flow because the third period, the Canucks were just... No, they didn't play Elias Patterson all that much. They kind of just played their third and fourth lines most of the night. But even the quality of the chances, and you're right, 
there, yes, there was a few San Jose chances in front of the net. There was yeah. the one good chance on the power play where Demko comes across and makes a save, but that was on, on the power play. I'm talking about five on five. Yeah. And they had a few chances right off the bat. They had a chance in front. But did, did you see any east-west movement with a no. lot of good shots? The goal Mikheyev scores. The Sharks had no chance like that. That's like That should be like .7 expected goal on that. That's like, it's, 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 it's almost an empty a full net. expected goal. Exactly, right? And then look at the uh, Ryan Su- uh, the Pew Suter goal. Quinn Hughes comes east-west yep. pass. And he, then San Jose had no chance like that. So, so I would but say... But in the public data, in the public model, that shot probably gets docked because it's not that close to the It's net. not as close, and it's not factoring east-west movement before the shot yes. goes off. And just also just how much net or a player has a score. on one. Exactly. <laughs> and there are a number of other chances Vancouver had which were really high-quality chances that San Jose was nowhere near generating against Vancouver. So, yes, you look at the data, and you're like, well, actually five on five. But let's be real. And we look at the quality, and that's why I would say as good as the public data is as an indicator, you have to be very careful to take it as gospel, especially with more of the data you can get behind the scenes that teams have access to as well. And, and it's frustrating sometimes because we don't get the same access, but there is stuff that shows a bit more. But I, I would be careful in, in reading too much into it, but I think the quality of scoring chances Vancouver is creating because of the talent they have is something to keep in mind. And also the fact that they're far better defensively and positioning-wise. And I think that usually you look at, look at this and say, well, it's hard. They're not going to be able to just rectify their numbers as the season yeah. goes on. But with the way they're playing and how they're creating chances, the quality they're creating, and the better they get at doing those things, I can see those numbers improving as well. I, I can definitely see things improving as the Canucks get a little bit sharper in their systems and continue to uh, be more consistent. Now, there's obvious things that are going to potentially affect their true talent level as the season goes on. Everybody deals with injuries at different points. How do you manage those situations? All of those are impossible to answer here today, and they're easy outs if you're trying to fade a team, at least in my humble opinion. They're easy outs if you're trying to fade a team because you don't want to believe in them just yet. I had the Canucks as a top three team in the Pacific. We look at Rick Tockett and how he has implemented the system into this team, how they've managed the roster to fit more roles that help this team succeed in certain areas of the game. And now you're seeing a team that is better on on uh, not just the power play, which looks like it's taken another step with the yeah. amount of movement they've put into it and how the core players on this roster have taken a step. Plus, on the penalty kill, they've been far better, even without... Teddy Bluger. They've got a healthy Thatcher Demko. That's going to help you overcome uh, whatever defensive issues you have at different points because you've got a better than average goalie, maybe an elite goalie in the league. So all of these factors help the Canucks. And I see a team that even if you were doubtful of it, you should very much have them on playoff radar. And now if you look at the Canucks and their star players and they continue to play like this with a system behind them, now you're looking at a bona fide playoff team and you should be asking, is there another level to what we're seeing with the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, and, and I think there is. Like, I, the reason I believe you should be optimistic, or you know what, I'm not going to tell people to be optimistic or not, but the reason why I'm optimistic about this team being able to get better is that there is also tangible things they can improve on and consistency they can gain that is attainable 
It's not like, hey, you know what? If they add another third line center, maybe they can hold their own. You know, when those guys aren't on the ice, it's like, well, Bluger's coming back. You have Hugh Suter and how he's played. Like, I feel very comfortable when I watch any of these yeah. lines right now being out there. Even Lafferty with how he's played down the middle, I think he's been a really good stopgap until Bluger comes back. And I think when you get Lafferty on the wing, you'll see an even better version of him. Imagine him having the freedom to be the first forward in, being the F1 consistently on the forecheck. He's one of the fastest forwards in the league. By the new NHL edge yeah. data, we found out that Sam Lafferty is uh, playing the game most consistently above 20 miles an hour, uh, like amongst the top players in the league. He's like a top 15 forward. And that's speed that this roster desperately needed. Well, you had a lot of, and you have him, you have Mikheyev, and all of a sudden you have a bit more pace in your lineup. Uh, now, uh, we are here at the Canucks Autism Network Pro Am, and uh, we're going to be joined by Canucks alumni here table side uh, throughout the course of the evening. And uh, very excited to have our uh, first guest of the night uh, sitting down with us. It's uh, Michael Delzato. What's happening, Mike? How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Hey, man, we're uh, we're doing uh, we're doing really well. It's your uh, first year in the Autism Network Pro Am. How you feeling? Uh, it's great. You know, it's so refreshing to be in a room full of so many selfless people who are looking to give back and help out. Um, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm familiar with what's been going on from my time playing here you yeah. know that you know the games that they have very special with the amount of money that they raise so now being done being able to to be here on the other side where you're not playing um you know just today getting goosebumps hearing some of the stories uh in the ballroom earlier it's uh, you know a very special uh, special event well, and it's not just lip service. When, when, when people talk about the foundation and especially the Canucks Autism Network, it's, it's helped thousands of, of people, so many f families. And you, when you see those tangible impacts, that's probably what draws a player like you back to participate. 100%, 100%. And again, you heard the stories today, and, and you know, you're, you're fighting back tears, and you're hearing about, you know, for me specifically, you lived, a, you know, obviously a very fortunate life, and you hear some of the other people, some of the the unfortunate stuff that they've had to go through and you just hear how positive they are and, yeah. and and the smiles and the laughter and 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 these stories that they have um you know puts you to tears and and again to be around other uh, selfless people who are willing to give back and, and wanting to help out um you know it's nice to to be in a room full of that many people uh how's the game looking are you going to help a team win this weekend or uh i, I haven't put on skates <laughs> since uh, my last game in the middle of april uh, I'm keeping in good shape, so I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I can log some minutes. Um, <laughs> the hands might be a little bit rusty, so we'll uh, we'll find out soon enough tomorrow. Uh, what do you think of the field, the Canuck alumni field? I heard uh, the trash talking's already in high gear. It hasn't stopped. It's, I, I'm <laughs> glad I had to come down here and talk to you guys. It's been, it's been too much. It's it's exhausting up there. Uh, no, it's great. Uh, and and you know, getting to talk to some of the guys that you know now this being my first off season or first mm -hmm. season having not played, getting to talk to some of the guys who've now been through it for years and, and, and sharing their experiences of what they've gone through and them be, being able to help out and um, seeing how well they're doing away from the game, is uh, it's been great. And, and, and any guy you talk to, when they're done playing, the first thing they say is oh, they, they miss the camaraderie, they miss the chirping and the trash talking, and there's been plenty of it today, so it feels like uh, we're in the locker room again. Well, where are you at right now? Are you missing the game? Are you happy to start a new chapter of your life? Uh, very happy. Honestly, yeah. the happiest I've been in, in, in a very long time. I'm living in, in Florida now. Um, I'm getting the sunshine every day. Um, it, it's, you know, the last couple of years of the game took a toll on me. You know, it was, you know, promised opportunities I didn't get, and it just got to the point where um, I felt like I kept chasing it. Um, you know, I miss my family. I miss normal life, uh, being able to call somewhere home as opposed to moving or being traded twice a year and living out right. of a suitcase gets old after a while. Um, so there's just numerous um 
numerous things that made me that led led me to the de decision of retirement, and um, yeah, I made the right right decision. It's yeah, I, I'm very happy. Well, you obviously went through a number of stages throughout your career where you played at a very high level too, and, and where you had a big role. You came to Vancouver for a while, but what I, what I admired about your career too was the way you adapted. You, and you were known as a, such a great team guy. Teams wanted to have you around for your leadership, how you played on the ice. Do you feel like you left everything you had to maximize every ounce of your NHL career? I think that's why I'm so at peace with the decision is um, for me, if I could look at myself in the mirror at the end of every day, knowing I gave everything I had, I can, I can go to bed easy. And that's what I did from my 19-year-old year all the way till, till 33, um, you know, whether I was first defenseman I was playing first line power player whether I was in and out of the lineup I still worked my, my rear end off every single day I was first guy at the rink I take pride in in the teammate I was um, so I have I have no regrets how do you look back on your time in Vancouver I enjoyed it here I did I had it was actually the only my first year was the only 82 game season I played in my career which was uh, which was special for me um, the next year you know it was unfortunate you know, when you're not winning and you're, you're yeah. going through a rebuild and, you know, I think at that time I was 28 and you're known as the older guy and you got to <laughs> make room for, for younger guys to get opportunities it was unfortunate, but that's a business side of it. And, and um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not paid to make those decisions, so uh, I don't really get a say in that. So it was unfortunate, I guess, the way I left. But, you know, that year I ended up getting traded to Anaheim. I'm there for whatever, a month, yeah. six weeks. Um really loving the game i'm partnered with cam fowler we see the game the same way i'm uh, you know loving living in california we lose back-to-back -back divisional games right before the deadline we're I think, like 10 points out of a spot i get traded again yeah i go to st louis we end up winning a cup out of it so yeah. there is to your point you know the kind of the roller coasters of the career um you know there's numerous moments that from an outsider's view probably people wouldn't think that's the most rewarding but for me that year, you know, I go to go to uh, St. Louis, and I don't play during the Cup run because I'm I'm there as depth. No one gets hurt. Um, still, first guy at the rink every single day. Still a great teammate. And because of that, technically, I didn't meet the parameters to get my name on the Cup. But they made an, the my teammates made an exception for me because of the work I put in. So that to me was probably the most rewarding experience of my career, knowing that you know the work I did away from the rink or at the rink when no one was watching. Um, was still appreciated. And that probably takes a, a lot of maturity to, to get to that point in your career because I'm sure when you look back, you're like, hey, I was part of a run no matter what. I was there to win a cup. I had my name on the cup. In the moment, you could look at it and, and be bitter about not getting on the ice and not getting the opportunity. And a lot of guys, it takes time. It's good to be able to appreciate that, isn't it? For sure. And I'll be honest, there were some days I was bitter. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I wish I was playing. And, and even the games I got in you know, before the run, I was playing well. I was putting up points. But you know the team was uh, you know everyone knows the story they were last place and the team went on a tear so you didn't want to ruin the chemistry that was going on um i understood there were some some tough days some bitter days but uh again if you could look at yourself in the mirror knowing you everything you had that was the same mindset i had every day um and at the end of the day um i was rewarded for it uh we're, we're seeing the canucks get off to a really uh, good start right now you know we've in the last couple of years the team struggled out of the gates like as a player when your team does get off to a good start how does that set you up for the rest of the season I, for them you know, just you just get confidence and, and especially with the, the struggles that they've had I mean it's something to say you know some of the additions they brought in but uh, just the coaching staff I've heard nothing but great things about talk I just had a conversation probably the last 15 20 minutes with footer and 
hearing his outlook on the game and, and his ability to relate to the players, not just as players but as people as well, was so refreshing to me because um, you don't get that often, unfortunately. Yeah. And you see the constant turnover of, of coaches, and it's just they keep getting recycled and recycled. So to have some fresh blood and, and have guys that have been through it and you know with the careers that they've had, but, again, understanding the people, and I think that's so underrated. Um, when it comes to the coaching side of it. So uh, a lot to be said about the job that they've done. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the team has been so much more competent in so many different areas, and now they're playing like a really good hockey team as well. And one player who's red hot this year is Brock Besser, and you were there for his rookie season. And you remember he took the city by storm, scored 29 goals. Unfortunately, he got injured towards the end. But what was it like seeing him in his first year and also the struggles he's gone through the past few years and now trying to get back to that it, level it's, again? It's funny. He was, we were just texting each other before. We are trying to meet up while I'm in town. He was like a, a little brother to me. You know, he came in. And and seeing him do his thing uh, was great. He just, it was one of those, like, every time he shot the puck, right, he just has a chance to go in. And you don't, there's not many guys you play with um, that have that, that impact. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to see him succeed now has been great. You know, he's, uh, you can, with the injuries, you get frustrated. It's tough to, that's the side that fans don't really understand, just the mental toll it takes on you when you're injured, you lose your confidence. The, the thing about the game is, there's so many good players like hey if i'm confident how do i keep my confidence mm -hmm. if i don't have it how do i get it back and that's essentially what the the game comes down to so it's nice to see him playing confidently and and scoring again and uh, you know he's a phenomenal player uh mike we uh, appreciate the time glad to hear you're doing well and uh we'll see you out there on the ice this weekend thanks for having me guys uh there is uh michael del zotto over 100 games uh, with the vancouver canucks and here in town as one of the canucks alumni uh to uh, play in the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am and lots of good things to say about uh, Brock Besser still a lot of ties to the team of course yeah I mean the stuff about confidence and you hear this from players you talk about two former players current players confidence is always the word that comes up and a lot of it comes down to your preparation but if you're not feeling confident in your body or your physical level or whatever it's hard to be confident with your game and the separation is guys that can either manufacture it or keep it at a high level at all times. Like even Patterson, when you see him at his best, he, he looks supremely, supremely confident. We saw what he looked like when he didn't have confidence. His yeah. game just completely disintegrated. And, and those things happen when you don't have it. And that's why, as good and talented as these players are, it can be very fickle. And it's good to see that Brock ha has that confidence back. Uh, he's certainly playing like it. A couple of goals and an assist last night. The uh, Canucks, the only team in the National Hockey League right now with four players that have more than 13 points each there is no other team in the league that has more than two players with more than 13 points each and that's jack hughes and jesper bratt with the new jersey devils i mean yeah. the, just the amount the canucks have been scoring the way that they've played you have a 10 goal game and an eight goal game uh, those numbers are going to be uh, pretty outstanding and they are right now uh, for the vancouver canucks but uh this comes from Tones. Love these types of interviews, refreshing and insightful. And I, I, I do find that um, it, it can be – you can get a lot more out of interviews with players shortly after they've retired. Yes. And uh, they're, they're ready to share more of their stories and the behind-the-scenes, their journey through the game. And for Michael Delzato, I mean, uh, he, he wasn't uh, afraid to share some of those stories with us and we definitely appreciate that hope we'll have uh, more tonight yeah we certainly will i mean a lot of connects alumni which we'll chat to as well and you know get into what's going on with the current team too and you know how impressive it is to see the way these guys have been playing to start the season and you know it's it's one of those things that 
these events are usually more fun when the team is being successful. Yes. And, and I think that's that's one of the things that we're seeing here tonight. In the past, we've uh, been asking, like, oh, so how do you dig yourself out of yes. a uh, tough start uh, more than uh, – you know, the types of questions we were uh, able to tackle there with uh, Michael Delzato. Hopefully uh, we'll have some more as uh, the hour comes on and uh, we'll have some more of the Canucks and NHL alumni getting into the building. It's uh, Dan Riccio and Satsi Arshaw. We are on location for the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am Draft Nights live at Goodco on Granville. You are listening to Canucks Central on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in on Canuck Central, we're in the uh, mobile Kintec studio here at Goodco on Granville. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah with you. And uh, we're live from the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am, a weekend where uh, Canucks and NHL alumni uh, will get to play uh, with some average Joes like me and uh, tear it up on the ice, all in support of the Canucks Autism Network. One of those happens to be Mason Raymond, former Vancouver Canuck. What's happening, Mason? Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, it's uh, it's always it's always a good event. Uh, I know it's not your first one, is it? No, I think this is my third time now uh, yeah. being here. So no, it's an honor. It's uh, it's kind of one that marks on the calendar. It's just it's awesome. You kind of know it's coming in the fall, and uh, it seems to be growing and growing every year. Well, last year it was the uh, like the reunion of the 2011 team in many ways, and we told uh, stories about that 2011 team in the luncheon. I heard the luncheon this year was a far a bit more raucous and. Uh, a, a bit more, I wouldn't say salty, but it was a, a lot of trash talk going on, I heard. There was. It was, uh, I guess the theme was drop the mitts or something, right, with those guys. <laughs> so it was pretty fun. Obviously, being able to play with Darcy Hordachuk, uh was awesome. And Mayday's Mayday, right? Mm -hmm. Legend and yeah. Matthew Barnaby. So those are more of the guys I grew up watching. But Darcy Hordachuk, I don't know if you guys know, I maybe talked about before. He was my first roommate. So got to know Darcy very, very well. So uh, anyway. Does uh, he ever not go at 100 miles an hour? No. <laughs> He's always got something on the go, something yeah. in the works, you name it. So it's. Uh, I came in blind in our first, you know, as a right. rookie. And anyway, yeah. there was a lot of good laughs. So it's uh, it's been fun. I was actually able to see him and uh, Kevin B. Exit just over a month ago. And we had some dinner in Calgary. So nothing but good laughs and good times. I know, uh, I know Horty's got a story about everyone. Do you have a story about uh, oh, Hordichuk? I don't even know where to start. It's like, <laughs> you know, you reminisce about times, and everybody's like, did you yeah. play with Horty? And then it just goes from there, right? <laughs> right. There's, there's always something. Uh, you know, when we first started rumoring, I didn't know much about him then, and I'll never forget, we were in Detroit, and a, a, a luggage bag came to the room. And we get in there, and we open this thing up, and there is, like, he got into magic. Like he, he thought magic was a cool thing, but he got into it. He opened this thing up, and there was all these magic-type tricks and magic books, and it was a thing in his life and Horty's impulsive and how he gets on certain things. But, man, I don't, like I said, I don't even know where to start and stop with him. What a fun guy, right? Has yeah. so much zest for life, and uh, he's a great guy to be around. It's contagious. It's a ton of fun. And those are the guys that uh, teams love having around, especially when 82-game season, right? Because always, there's always something to make everybody laugh about. Oh, you know, glue guy, call him what you want. I shouldn't give Horty that. He's pumping his tires up because people will hit the other way, but they're fun, right? I mean, you, you watch that panel up to there. They, they're, 
they got so much confidence in who they are and what their jobs were, you know, protecting their teammates and all that. So ton of fun, great glue guys, right? Guys that are always there in the trenches, on the ice, or, or off the ice all over. Uh, now, uh, so the NHL has this, like, new website, NHL Edge, and I'm, I'm curious because we know you were one of the fastest players in the game when, when you were in the, in the league, and uh, we've seen guys get up to 24, 25 miles an hour. What do you think you could top out at? God. You know, it's funny, like, back then I, I did. I, I, I felt that was one of my strengths was, was skating yeah. and, and having some speed. Nowadays, I'll be honest, I think I'd just be another player out there. It's incredible yeah, yeah. to see, you know, nowadays everybody's training with, you know, skating coaches and everything else. And, you know, the, the game has gone to a whole other level. Like, my son's 11, but I look at the technical side of what they're teaching and, you know, how they break down the mechanics of the skate and what's important on inside edges, outside edges. Back then it was like you could skate. So yeah. it'd be interesting to know, actually. Uh, I still joke and feel like I could play and, uh, and miss the game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again, guys skate now. It's unreal how they fly. The technology obviously helps that, I think, with skates yeah. are continuing to get better. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, and, and being able to see, like, uh, guys like uh, McDavid mm -hmm. and McKinnon and the way that, like, I know they're the top players in the game, but yeah. the way they get to the top speed, but, you know, how they can handle the pocket speed and yeah. play at that speed at the same time is just, it's absolutely wild. The lateral with that mm -hmm. too, right? The speed, yeah. the lateral, putting that all together is something, you know, we, you know, we just talked about David Booth. I mean, he used to be a good skater. He was a joke. He was always good on straightaways right. until you had to go <laughs> left or right. So, um, but yeah, it is. It's, it's intense, right? How, how they're doing that at a high speed, high level, being able to, you know, get shots off, shoot and, shoot and stride, all that type of stuff. It, it's fun to watch. I think the game's funner to watch when yeah. it's, you got this type of speed out there. So, um, yeah, I don't know where I'd stand today in some of that <laughs> stuff. As I said, it was just something you kind of had it or you don't. But speed kills. It was always something that's yeah. been a big part of the game and still well, is. I think you're being humble because I, I remember how fast you were and I still watch the games. <laughs> and the, I think you do more than hold your own against the fastest skaters now. But you're right. Back then it was kind of it was like you were, you were either fast or you weren't. But now we're seeing guys in the offseason add some pace. And there is a ceiling, obviously, to everybody. Their bodies are different. But that's also come a long way, hasn't it? The training, the biomechanics people are figuring out in terms of skating and getting faster, that's actually something you can improve, which you couldn't in the past, or at least not as well in the past. 100%, right? Guys are training for explosiveness and yeah. specifically to do certain things like that. You know, nowadays, if you can skate, you got a better chance of playing. You know, my father-in-law was drafted by Vancouver many, many years ago, and it was like, you know, I even hang out with the likes now in Calgary of Joel Otto, Theo Fleury, and whatever. I mean, they, they use training camp to get into shape, right? Yeah. Right Now, if you don't come to camp in shape, you know, you're very an outcast. And it's almost in skating. Everybody can almost skate. Sure, there's different levels, but such an important piece to the game nowadays. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's amazing. Again, with technology, the breakdown, and all of everything, it's, it's, it's incredible to see. Uh, we've uh, we've seen the Canucks get off to a, a really hot start so far. You know what can it do for a team when you get off uh, to a good start and are able to sort of build from there? Sure, I mean get you know get out of the gates good is important. I think in anything in life, right? right? But more importantly, probably builds your confidence, right? Yeah. Builds some team swagger, builds a whole bunch of everything. You know, you come from behind, it's tough, but uh, uh, it's great to see. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, a ten win win ten to one win last night. Yeah, you know that works huge for the team builds confidence you get players moving you get that jive and you know you get you're looking at the standings you're seeing where you're at and you're pushing your goals you know continue to to strive for more so very happy to see them off to a great start and on a bunch of personal levels with brock besser you right. know having a great start um hughes right five points last night not that points is everything but you're having your leaders lead you got your big guys your big horses running and when you get everybody else doing that thing i think demko's playing some great yeah. hockey so 
They're firing on all cylinders. I know that sounds cliche, but, right, you want to ride that wave and keep pushing. Well, you mentioned the confidence, and we chat with Yannick, uh, your former teammate, every Friday. We had him on yesterday, however, because we're here on location. And one of the things we he's talked about... He's still very early, blunt in everything that he <laughs> says. You know? It's fantastic. He's great. <laughs> and one of the things he talked about was when you get off to a slow start individually, and let's say you're six games in and you don't have a goal, it may as well be 14 games. It's always harder early in the season. And last night, some of the guys who hadn't scored also scored finally. Yeah. Pew Suter and Pavilia got a couple of goals. How important is it to get off those humps, and how yeah. hard can that be early in the season if things don't go your way? It's that mental battle, right, on the individual I'll start with. And, you know, I'll uh, speak on myself. I remember when I got off to a good start, I just I built on that. And you're like, geez, I'm ahead, or didn't matter who you'd compare against. You could be like, well, I got more goals than Crosby. Just making it up, right? <laughs> right. That, that felt good. Right. Um, I always remember Johnny Taves. I thought Johnny Taves was more of a slow starter, but, man, did he come on strong and get stronger as the year went on. But... You know, the saying is whatever, win the morning, win the day or something, right? Get off to a good start and away you roll. So from a personal standpoint, you know, my best seasons, I would say, were when I got out of the gates well on a personal standpoint. And typically the same thing as a team. Get out of the front and get rolling. Well, uh, get off to a good start this weekend, hey, and uh, help your team win some games. Thanks for stopping by today. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, there is uh, Mason Raymond joining us here at Tableside at the uh, Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am draft night and uh he'll be uh, one of the higher selections i do imagine uh, as uh, the night goes on in the draft speedster and still man still a speedster uh, I, I would imagine well uh, and i think that's the thing about skating too and we're seeing players make tangible improvements now year to year and we look at prospects especially and you know we talked about how this organization earlier has done a good job of identifying at the pro level hockey IQ guys who are yeah. smart and can play within the team that they want generally speaking they've also prioritized very much intelligence yeah. in their draft prospects especially some of the later round picks they've made a lot of their a lot of the prospects they also draft and now a lot of them a few of them also have some concerns outside of Willander of course and some guys who are incredible skaters that their skating isn't quite where it needs to be but given that if you had get a guy with the right mentality who's smart and talented do you feel like the skating is now something you can help improve and get to a level that it's good enough or if not you know yeah. above average that a player can be successful and before it was really hard having that combo like 15 years ago, it was like, the guy's not fast, probably not going to work out, not a good skater, you can't draft him. Yeah. It's a lot different now. It is so different now. Um, I, you know, uh, Bo Horvat's probably a really good example yeah. with the Vancouver Canucks, just seemed to really uh, improve his skating each year, and, and he was able to do it for three, four, five years, and then by the time he got to his mid-20s, I don't know if it was a strength of his game, but it certainly wasn't a weakness no, any yeah. longer for uh, for Bo Horvat. Uh, we, we've seen other young players with the Vancouver Canucks this year make strides. Archie Baines has added some pace to his game, has cleaned up his stride a little bit, and he's off to a great start with the AHL roster. Atu Ratu, you could see, it, and, and it's sometimes it's it's more mechanical things than anything else, and you can. Uh, have a little bit more in your first step uh not not the, the the long speed because think about an nhl game how often do you get to top out in your long speed it's not all that often and most guys are actually pretty good when they get their long speed yes it there's not there, there's not going to be a, a huge difference if a guy's guys are running in a straight line but it's that short area quickness that yeah. you can improve improve the efficiency of your stride so that you get to your spots in short areas quicker than you used to and yeah. i think that's that's part of the the 
the growth that players go through now. Absolutely. Uh, this text says, smart but can't skate. Brendan Gaunt sends his regards. And, I mean, there's always guys that obviously don't figure it out. It's just more about we've seen a lot of strides be made in skating and players individually improving that aspect of their, of their game. And it's, it's just, you know, a bit of a change. You know, technology goes a long way. But there are, like, there is some, you sometimes do have biomechanical uh, limitations individually, how your yes. body's built. There's some guys just can't, you know, have the quick burst or whatever. So it's, it's marginal how much they can improve it. But that's why when I talk to some scouts, one of the things they oftentimes um, say is it's you, you, you break down the stride. You break down how their body moves. You're like, all right, this guy has athleticism. His body is like his stride looks okay. It's more about the, the little tweaks he has to make to, you, to your point about getting faster and getting quicker. And I think that's where we're seeing the biggest improvements. And uh, we've seen the Canucks. I think uh, they, they've had Ali Lacombe as a, as a skating coach. Uh, with the club um, over the summer in, in the last year. Also uh, in the past, Mackenzie Braid uh, was a part of the coaching staff to help the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, even at the highest level, guys are still working on, uh, on their skating strides. One of the things that we've seen with this team this year, Sat, okay, yes, the top-end players have all been great. We've discussed that quite a bit. But... Which players have been quietly good for this Canucks team as they've gotten off to this hot start? Uh, I mean, one guy I want to I want to really shout out is Carson Soucy recently. I think Soucy's game, uh, game by game, is improving. And you're starting to see him get even more confident. And we spoke to him after the game um, against the St. Louis Blues about how the Canucks played. and oh, Sorry, the National Predators. We spoke to him about the National Predators game. And he talked about how good he feels now when it comes to his confidence and playing, connecting, playing the offensive zone. And you're also seeing the impact he can make defensively with his stick. He looks far more confident. And I, I'm really impressed with how he's played. You're seeing a guy that can certainly raise the floor on their defense. And uh, I'm excited to see how much better he can get and more comfortable he can get. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, one of those players that's just absolutely had uh, an awesome time uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, Carson Soucy, you like what you've seen so far out of this player. And, you know, he's had a, a lot of success in, uh, in the early going. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And we're joined now by the, our next guest, a Canuck favorite, Darcy Hordachuk. Darcy, uh, great seeing you here, man. How you doing? Awesome. Yeah, great to be here. I didn't know I was a Canuck favorite, but uh, thanks for saying those nice words. Well, you know, I mean, hey, listen, I'm not going to I'm not gonna talk smack and then say anything not nice to the enforcers. I heard you guys were talking a lot of trash today at the Canucks luncheon, so I'm like, I'm just, I don't want any smoke right now, Darcy. <laughs> we had a good time. Yeah, it was funny to see some of the guys that you, you know, fought and went to battle with, but... Uh, at the end of the day, you have something all in common, and that's to give back to, uh, you know, the kids in need. And this is such a great event, and that's uh, kind of why we all came together to be here. Yeah, the uh, Canucks Autism Network, th this tournament every single year just is, is an absolute blast. Uh, we're lucky to be partnered with it most years. We emcee the event and um, raised over a million dollars this year for the Canucks Autism Network. It's just incredible. Absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I got to know Paulo Aklini when I played here in to see his son Christian, you know, like I remember going on the ice and doing some of these skates, and as soon as I walked in, it was like yesterday we seen each other, and he's like, Tars, oh my God, I remember you used to come on the ice and you used to do. <laughs> so it's uh, it's actually amazing to see these kids and how great, uh, you know, they've come along and to be a part of something like this and uh, catch up with all your old teammates and uh, and be a part of this. Well, and you mentioned back when you were here the impact they made, and you've seen it grow even more over the years, and. 
you just see how many families they affect. And you mentioned, you know, the Aquilini family and what they've done and everything, but also the people you see on a day-to-day -day basis. And you heard the stories today as well. You know what, I'm a, a big proponent of uh, giving back, and I actually started my own charity called the Valley Guardians in Arizona. And the whole concept is that uh, everybody in the Valley needs a guardian, and uh, it's crazy that a kid from Saskatchewan is able to raise $1.2 in the backyard. And it's not about, you know, buying the package or it's about buying something. It's about being able to help that many kids. And everybody in this world is, you know, going through either uh, – you know, a storm in their life or a crazy journey, and uh, we all kind of need each other's help, and it's about coming together and, and just being there for each other, and uh, that's exactly what this organization's done, and uh, that's why we see so many great stories on stage. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible event. Uh, Darcy Hordachuk joining us here at the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am Draft Night. Uh, all right, I, I heard a story. There's a story about Rick Tockett you were telling today. I don't know how much of it you could tell here with us, but... Um, how well do you know Rick Tockett, and what is this uh, story that's got everybody talking today? <laughs> you know what, Rick, uh, actually, as a kid growing up, I, I obviously uh, looked up to Rick, and uh, I think when I was traded to the Coyotes back then, everybody was laughing. They said, hey, listen, no pressure, but we think you're going to be the Rick Tockett in the organization for the Coyotes, and I was short about 300 goals. Uh, <laughs> I got the fights down, but I was telling everybody today, I, I, uh, I was on the line with uh, Claude Lemieux and Tony Amante, and I knew that I was getting scratched because I never play on that line. And all of a sudden, we're doing these kind of like, you know, three on O on the goalie, and we'd regroup at the red line. And not once do they even look to pass me the puck. So I'm like, I can't even keep up these guys. I'm just going to go as fast as I can behind the net. And as I look up, it was like, oh my God, there's Tony Amante, and I blew him up. <laughs> and I ended this like 890 man game Ironman streak in practice. He was about to catch, remember Steve Larmer? Yeah, I think yeah, in a yeah. thousand. And I seen my life flash before me. So I went from possibly being, you know, the Rick talking to how do we trade this guy and get him out of Arizona. But I laugh. I said, hey, listen, this is how you become the ambassador for the Coyotes. You, you sometimes got to make a statement, good or bad. And uh, everybody will remember, remember you for that. Well, I mean, and you weren't afraid to obviously stick up for your teammates and, and had a very long career and very successful in doing so. When you look back at your career now, like, what stands out in terms of your, your most favorite or best experiences? You know what? Everything was great. Um, the fact that you even get to step ice, you know, play a game in the NHL. But, you know, I've got a 14-year-old, and I'm trying to get him, you know, to the next level. And I just said, Braden, like, you never know who's watching. And I said, like, the fact that you get to play this game is an honor. And I said, you know, you're like a stock. Every shift, you got to do something to stand out. You know, if you're a goal scorer, that's great. You could score goals, but not every game you're going to score goals. You have to do more than that. You got to block shots. You you got to strip pucks. You got to fight the toughest guy in the team. And uh, I can really look back in my career and say, hey, listen, I really didn't take many shifts off. You didn't know if you're going to get five shifts, twenty shifts, fifteen shifts. Every shift I was in the ice, I, I kind of let it out there. And uh, whoever I thought was the biggest and toughest guy, I would always uh, be willing to take him on for the team. It feels like. Uh, it a lot of guys get to the NHL level. They've been the best player on their minor league team. They've been the best player in their uh, even maybe the AHL. And then it's like, oh, okay, this is another level. And now i got to figure out how to play a role. And we've seen actually the Canucks the last couple of years struggle to find guys that can play roles at the, the lower part of the roster. It's just such a huge part of building a quality hockey team. 100%. And, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to coaching staff. But, you know, some of these guys don't realize it, but, 
you have this opportunity in your life where maybe if you dropped the gloves just a few times and protected your teammate, that's the difference between the other 150,000 kids out there that maybe don't want to step up. And it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's just showing that you're there to protect the guys and that you're there for your teammates. And I think a lot of guys are scared to do it nowadays. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but the real world's tough. You know, you're yeah. making 30 grand a month, you know, playing hockey. And in the real world, you make 30 grand a year sometimes. So yeah. my advice to all these young kids coming up is no matter how great you think you are, it's always great to kind of be able to add another uh, part of your game, and sometimes that means sticking up for your teammates. Well, and especially with now, you hear it all the time. Systems play, structure gets mentioned so often. I mean, that was the biggest bone that the management had to pick with the previous coaches here and what they wanted to change by hiring Rick Tockett. And if you can't play that team game now, no one's going to – unless you can score 50 goals, no one's going to play you if you can't if you can't do that anymore. 100%. And even if you score 50 points, you know, I'm really good friends with Kent Johnson, and mm -hmm. here's a kid that got 45 points, you know, in 80 games, and he's going down to the minors tomorrow. So it doesn't matter about points. There's so much more than just points. Chichu had 40 goals, and next thing you know, he's out yeah. of the league. It's about every night showing up, and it's sometimes, you know, winning the battles. It's the little things that, you know, as a fan, maybe you don't appreciate, but as a coach, you know, you're like, why is this guy not in lineup? It's not. It's because he's not winning the battles or he's not going to the net. He's not going to the hard areas. And, you know, if you can do those things, um, you know, there's a way to climb the ladder because there's a lot of us guys that used to play old school hockey that still want that extra effort and uh, want some guys that have that battle in them. So parents listening, get little Johnny. Don't make yeah. him soft like this next generation. <laughs> toughen him up. Hey, get him on the farm, whatever it takes, because kids nowadays are getting a little bit soft. Uh, I hear you. Uh, do you have any magic tricks up your sleeve tonight? If I can put the puck in tomorrow, that'll be a magic trick for me. <laughs> so I'm excited. My kid's like, Dad, why are you going to play in these games? And I'm like, because I get to play in the third period. I don't have to worry about fighting the toughest guy on the ice. <laughs> this is what it's about. It's about uh, enjoying it and not having to worry about uh, if George LaRock's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, let's go. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe you won't go up against Barnaby then this weekend. Uh, hey, well, that's one fight I will take any day of the week. <laughs> uh, Horty, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for this. Thanks for having me. Uh, there's uh, Darcy Hordichuk joining us uh, here at Tableside at uh, the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am. It's uh, Dan Richo and uh, Satyar Shaw. Darcy asked something else to add. Hey, check out our company, Canada to USA. You get a free membership if you sign up. It's a travel. You guys will love it. We do currency exchange. We want to take care of the people that took care of us forever. Go take it a look. CanadaTOUSA.com. Come to America, baby. All True right. entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> there is uh, Darcy Hordichuk, CanadaTOUSA.com. Uh, and Hordy will be playing this weekend in the Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am. And uh, he's got uh, stories for days. You know, uh, in, in, in being a, a veteran of, of playing in this tournament, um, one of the great – one of the things is, like, all these guys got stories. Oh, yeah. And, and like Mason said, always has something on the go. You heard yeah. it at the end. Got, got the new business on the go. Yeah. No magic tricks, though. No no but, magic uh, tricks right now. But, um, you know, uh, when Team Sportsnet is drafting tonight, we're 13th overall. So we're, we're, we're going to be in tough. We'll, we'll see what, what pick we get. Any pick would be good. Well, if you but I think Horty would be one of the most underrated picks tonight because of the stories and the fun he's going to have with the team that he plays with this weekend. And having Hordachuk, having that enforcer protecting everybody, you all feel like you're over <laughs> six feet tall. Dan's going to feel so tall if he's on your team. Uh, it's uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. We're here from the uh, draft night of the Canucks Autism Network. Pro-Am 
Lots of great stuff ongoing. We're going to uh, continue to have uh, more Canucks and NHL alumni before the show is done at 6 o'clock. You are listening to Canucks Central. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in on Canuck Central, we are in the mobile Kintec studio here at Goodco on Granville. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah with you as uh, we're at the uh, Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am draft night. And Brendan Morrison now joining us uh, table side, a, uh, a veteran of the uh, Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am tournament nowadays. Yeah, I, I think this is my fifth year here now. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a, it really is a tremendous event. Great people here, obviously a phenomenal cause. Um, good to see familiar faces and meet some new faces, but yeah, a, r- a really fun tournament. It, it absolutely is. Uh, every weekend or every year, this weekend comes around. It's one of our favorites, and it does so well. I mean, it raised over a million dollars this year. It's it's pretty incredible, and uh, and you get to chop it up with uh, some ex NHL alumni as well. Who are you uh, you excited to go up against anybody? Are you chirping anybody <laughs> out there? I know Hordachuk and all these guys are getting after it already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're veterans of that for sure. Um, it, you know, like seeing those guys and guys that I played with, you know, uh, Brad May, Mason Raymond, Peter Schaefer, um, you know, some former teammates and then some older Canuck alumni, Cliff Ronning, Yerke Lume, Jeff Cortnall, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. A bunch of different guys here, and uh, it's always nice to be back in this environment. Well, one of the things that always catches me off guard is like how fast how fast time goes by because it, it feels like it was just yesterday you were playing with the Vancouver Canucks and all of a sudden you look back like oh well, you know it's, it's been you know 13 14 years 15 years and you just kind of go through it and what is it like to kind of see some of those guys and just kind of reminisce about you know what it was like and, and seeing them together again because it's like just picking up seeing best friends right it's, it's like seeing them yesterday you're you're 100 right like this funny story is like when I when I was coming out of the airport today. I was carrying my bag, had my sticks with me, and it reminded me of when I got traded back to Vancouver and walking out of the international baggage claim and, and, and making that walk there. And I had a flashback to when I first came to Vancouver from New Jersey. And um, so you get to reminisce in your own mind and, and, and relive a lot of uh, a lot of moments. But it, it, the hockey world is an interesting world. You know, you don't see guys, you know, maybe for a year or two years, three years, but when you see them, it's like you picked up where like, you saw them yesterday. You know, the banter starts right away and, and uh, you know, you kind of relive good moments together. And But everyone's you know, wants to know how everybody's family's doing, how they're doing, you know, what are they up to, where are they living. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to catch up. It absolutely uh, it, it is. And we're seeing the camaraderie between the guys already here uh, here this week. Uh, so what's uh, what's Brendan Morrison up to uh, these days? How are you getting on? Yeah, things are really good. Uh, I got a couple kids down in uh, in the States playing, playing uh, one, my son's playing hockey and I got a daughter playing soccer. I got another daughter going to school next year to play soccer. I'm helping coach my daughter's hockey team right now, U16 girls, which is uh, which is an exercise in patience at times, <laughs> but uh, super, super fun. Um, you know, I, I'm staying busy. I do some commercial real estate here with a, a group in North Vancouver called the Strongman Group. But I've always had a huge passion for fishing. I, I host a fishing show called Real West Coast. We just finished up our seventh year, and and uh, you know, kind of building off of that, I'm, I'm in the process of starting uh, 
a, a new clothing brand, which is kind of geared towards the outdoors and, and hopefully it crosses over to uh, to soccer moms on the right. sidelines <laughs> wearing, our, wearing our stuff. So that's, that's been an adventure. So it seems like you really embraced the entrepreneurial spirit uh, the last few years. So what, is, what has that kind of been like and, and growing with that and wanting to do more? Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy it. Like I, I went to school, got a degree in economics and, um, you know, I, when the end comes for, for you as a player, you always think you maybe are prepared for it or um, that, that transition, but it's difficult. Like you go from, you know, uh, to me, having the, maybe the best job in the world, playing a sport, <laughs> right? right, as, as your job. And, and, and I've always told people like the, the work environment at the rink is, is unlike anything else. You go in, you have the banter, you have the ribbing, you, you crank music, right? Everyone's, it's just different. You don't get that anywhere else. Um, you skate out onto the ice in front of thousands of people. So for me, I think like the fishing part of it's really kind of replaced that, I guess, adrenaline rush, if you will, um, that, that uh, electricity, that excitement, you know, uh, the competition of trying to catch fish or yes. <laughs> figure fish out every day is different, you know, that, that bite when your rod goes off. So, um, yeah, but the entrepreneurship thing is, is it, I enjoy it. I, I, I like new challenges. You know, I like kind of... Uh, you know, trying new things and and uh, and learning new things. I, I've uh, I've never been the fishing type. Uh, I know Sat's yeah, been I a like little fishing, bit more yeah. more than I have. But uh, is it that competition? But what else? What else drew you to? Or I'm sure it's been something you've done since you were young. Yeah. So I I got into it when I was young, but I really got vested into it when I was a teenager, early early uh, you know early adulthood, I guess twenties. I love being outdoors. I love being outside. I love that connection with, with nature. And everybody says it's kind of like a, a disconnection from your phone technology. But it's more to me like a connection of, you know, nature and, and yeah. wilderness and that. And just so to me, I describe it to people. It's almost like a meditation, really. Like when I'm outside, if I'm on the water, I just I feel good. I feel calm. My mind's in a good spot. And, uh, you know, you can do it by yourself or you can do it with friends and family and you right. can enjoy that. So uh, that, that, that's really, uh, it's been a big passion of mine. Well, obviously the team here this season's off to a great start, 7-2-1. Uh, and and it's, some, it's something that we haven't seen in recent years. They've gone through a lot of struggles and a lot of Western Canadian teams are going through, going through it, especially in Alberta right now. But I was thinking about this group and, and trying to also kind of put it in perspective compared to teams of the past. And, when, when you were here with Todd and with Marcus, it took a few years for you guys to really come together. And next thing you know, you're, you guys were a legitimate contender. What is that like when that switch happens, when you realize we, we, we may not just be good, we may actually have something to work with here? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good feeling. I mean, uh, when, you, when you step on the ice every night and, and not that you feel or think, but you know you have a chance to win. And, and we got to that point, you know, uh, unfortunately never translated to playoff success. But, you know, there was a lot of nights when, when we went out and we just felt like, hey, if we would go and, and play our game, we're going to win. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's the bottom line. We, we were too good not to. Um, and it, it's a fun place to be because there's a, a lot of times or I've been on teams where, you know, you go out and even if everyone's at their best, you're like, well, I don't know how this game's going <laughs> to end up tonight. Yeah. But, uh, but when you're in a, in a, on a team that's everyone's buying in and, and everybody – kind of um, has a role and, and has embraced that role and you're getting you know good good direction from the coaching staff good feedback and, and you have a system in place and, and guys are just going about their business I mean it's uh, yeah it's a lot of fun well it feels like uh, the, the group uh, some younger players you know, tired of losing we've heard them say it a, a bunch of times year over year but 
maybe you get to a point where it's like, well, I, I can score lots of goals and I can put up a lot of points, but what am I not doing that's not leading us to success? And, and right now it just seems like you know, they're more of a five-man unit on the ice. They're playing with a lot more structure. They're breakouts. They've, there's always an outlet pass for the defenseman to get it up to a forward. And, you know, it's just leading yeah. them to play a lot of closer games and also have a lot more success. Well, I mean, it's, it's structure is what it boils down to. Yeah. I think the coaching staff here, I mean, what a tremendous amount of experience when you go through the, the list, right, with mm-hmm. Tockett and Foot and Gauncher and throwing Daniel and Henrik. It's not a bad mix. you <laughs> yeah. get got a Hall of Fame crew there. Uh, a, a lot of experience. So, um, you know, having structure, and you're right, guys understanding what it takes for team success, right? Getting away from... Maybe I don't score as many points this year, but hey, we're going to be in the playoffs and you know I'm going to do a good job back checking in my own zone and, and I'm going to be conscious about you know uh, giving up goals and things like that, which ultimately leads to team success, which in turn leads to more individual success if you think about it. So um, I mean the season's still early, but you know I think the big question mark coming in was, okay, how are they going to defend, right? Are they going to keep the puck out of their net? Because everyone knows they can score. Um, What's going to happen with Demko? Is he going to get back to where he was a couple years ago? And and so far, yes, he's been unbelievable. Uh, defensively, they've been good as a team. And offensively, they can score. So if you can keep the puck out of your net and, and you can score goals and some, some nights you rely on your power play because they're lethal on the power play, you can win games. Well, and the way Quinn Hughes has started the season off as well, like we all know how good Pedersen and, and has been and JT Miller as well, but when you have a defenseman who controls the game the way he does, plays 26 minutes a game and plays as a true number one franchise defenseman, like how much does that change things and how much harder is a team like that to play against that has that true number one? Well, he's, uh, you, you look at Quinn and it's like, you know, he's not this uh, imposing, you know, physical presence. But his, his hockey IQ is off the charts. His skating's off the charts. So when he's out there, he has the puck all the time. And it's like you can't get it from him, right? Yeah. So it's frustrating as an offensive line maybe playing against him because you're chasing the puck the whole night. And, uh, I mean, he has that innate ability to control a game from the back end. Um, you know, he's, he's a special, special player. And, 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 you know, this year he's, I think, taking a little bit more ownership of trying to shoot the puck more and adding another element to his game. And, and, uh, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit for the job he does defensively, right? I mean, he's playing in all kinds of situations. He started to kill penalties a couple years ago, and I think he's building every year, and, and uh, he's off to a, a fantastic start. Well, the game changed so much. I mean, even while you were playing, like, the crazy amount of evolution the game went through before the, the 05 lockout and to what it was in the salary cap era and what it's become now, I mean, you don't have to be the, the Darian Hatcher type to, to be able to defend in, the, in today's game. Well, I, I mean... Let's call it what it what it is. I mean, before the lockout in 0405, it was like wrestling on ice. Yeah. <laughs> like, you go yeah. back and watch those tapes. Like, oh, I yeah. watch them with my son. He's like, what's going on out there? I'm like, yeah, you know, you're on the back check. You could just water ski on a guy. Just put your stick around his waist and just, just ski all the way back to your zone. So, um, yeah, the game's evolving. Obviously, it's faster. Uh, the overall player is more skilled. Um, you know, that's, that's the evolution. And it, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, if you can skate. I mean, that's, that's you, and you have good hockey IQ, I mean, you, you have a chance to be a difference maker. Well, we, we talked about the skating and how, how far that's gone and, and, and how much better players are at this level now. But at the same time, what is it like when there's a guy that has that next level of skating ability? Because we see guys can skate now, but you mentioned Quinn Hughes, for instance, his ability to get, to get away from players. 
what is it like when you see a guy like you're like, hey, we all work very hard, and then there's somebody like McDavid, there's somebody like Quinn Hughes doing things, and that's just that next level separation. That it's almost like I mean, they work hard. But there's like a, a God-given gift there. Yeah, I mean, they do work hard, but I, I do think it's almost like shooting the puck. Some guys, you're gifted with it, and some guys are gifted skating, but yeah. they do work at it absolutely. But just the edge work, right? I mean, it's um, the subtle things, being able to evade guys, uh, you know, open up, swivel your hips, you know, get away from pressure, um, you know, transitioning forward, backwards with McDavid, being able to, he's constantly moving his feet, you know, shooting the puck in stride, all these things. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing to watch. Uh, before we let you go, can we get a little bit more intel on uh, this clothing line that you're, uh, you're launching yeah. pretty soon? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be called Real Coast Gear. Uh, we do have some, uh, we're on Instagram, and uh, we're, we're building some hype on there and, and on Twitter as well. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, I catch myself just staring at other people like, what are they wearing? You know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, what kind of puffer jacket is that or what kind of uh, rain jacket is that? But it's, I, I've been testing it now for two years. We're on our, uh, our, our merino layering system is ready to go. Our socks, I think, our merino socks are... Um, going to be first to the market with this uh, new technology in the wool, which is super cool. And uh, so we're just kind of waiting on the puffer jacket and the rain gear here, hammering that out, but hopefully we'll have stuff ready in the springtime. And the name of that is again? Real Coast Gear. Real Coast Gear. Uh, Brendan, I uh, really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you out there this weekend. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Uh, there's uh, Brendan Morrison, former Vancouver Canuck, joining us uh, here at the Canucks Autism Network. Pro-Am, that is uh, Real Coast Gear, if you're interested to check it out and uh, see what he's got going on with the new clothing line dropping. And, you know, Quinn Hughes is the talk of the town. He's the talk of the league right now with the way that he's played, Sat. Five points last night, as we talked about on the post-game show, tying a Canuck single-game record. You're starting to wonder, um, you know, just... How much of a step has Quinn Hughes taken this year as a player with all these things that he's added, the um, benefit of having Philip Hironic next to him and how that's seemingly unlocking another element to his game as well. It's just, uh, it, it's hard not to love what Quinn Hughes is doing right now. It's almost like calling it a step is underselling it. It's more like a leap. He's taking a leap. Yeah, because the way he's playing now, and I know he's probably not going to have 120 points or whatever, right? But it, it, he's controlling the game at a completely different level. His shot is a real threat. And the confidence he's playing with, how much of that comes with just him getting better, how much of it comes with feeling um, the responsibility and the confidence of being the captain of the team, I think that's also something that is helping elevate his game in, insofar as I can't have any bad moments. I'm the captain now. Every single time I'm out, I'm out on the ice, I have to make sure that I'm bringing everything I can. And I think we're seeing him do that more consistently. Not to say he ever dogged it or whatever, but it's there's a higher level of determination every shift he's out there now. Yeah, and uh, you know, even uh, the, the the Nashville game, uh, he pointed out his turnover there in the in the first period yeah. that led to one of the Nashville goals, or was one of the precursors uh, to the first Nashville goal and. Up to 34 shots on the year. Only Roman Yossi has more. It's, um, you know, it's it's been something he's talked about so much. He's now up to four goals on the year with those 34 shots. It, But it doesn't feel like he's forcing the yeah. shot as much. 
It's just he's getting into good areas. He's going downhill, trying to attack the net more often. It's He's really added a lot to his offensive repertoire. And Tockett's mentioned it, you know, the way that he walks the blue line, yeah. those elements, those are things he's been adding over the summer to, to put into game action. And just how he gets his shot off, you know, and – it's not just always about shooting it harder, shooting it more accurately. It's also about when you release the puck. And we've talked about this a little bit, but I think it bears repeating in this discussion. And we're seeing it being discussed a bit more with what's being referred to as a flash screen, where they're getting the guys to go across the face of the goalie. So as a shot gets released, do you at least create some sort of disruption? And Woodley this week you know, spoke to how effective that is and how hard that makes it for the goaltenders. And we're seeing Quinn release the puck at the perfect time so often right now just when that screen arrives or just when that player is flashing across and i've noticed that consistently and i don't think it's a coincidence that he's getting some of these pucks going and yet right now he's got the good vibes right the puck's following him around the puck's going in for him but he's not just throwing shots on net and they're finding a way to go in like there is a real art to when he's releasing the puck and it's paying off i mean it's paying off really handsomely right now and, and it won't continue to pay off this effectively with those shots but it does just show you that when, you, when you're making adjustments at such a granular level when it comes to when to release yeah. the puck and how you're moving, the angle, like we're talking about real hockey nerd next level stuff, right? And that just shows you how invested he is in being a great hockey player. It's, uh, there's so much, you know. Uh, you saw it with McDavid last year, uh, how he was like, oh, you guys are ranting and raving about Austin Matthews scoring 60 yeah. goals. I'll show you. And McDavid doesn't have the hardest shot in the league, but he, you know, it's like he studied how to open up more holes in the goaltenders yeah. as he's going about taking that shot and giving a little shoulder drop, giving a little uh, twist of the eyes and, you know, giving the goalie a different look and all of a sudden opening up a different spot and then attacking it with the shot. That's uh, it's kind of what Quinn Hughes is, is starting to do so far this year it's uh, dan richo and sati Shaw. we're here at good co on granville ahead of the uh, canucks autism network pro-am and uh, we've had players joining us tableside all night and now joining us is uh, the great matthew barnaby who's uh i mean the the legend of, of the stories you were telling today has made its way uh through to the radio show already tonight matt how's it going it's great. I'm just waiting, uh, buying time for the Roxy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just across the street. So. I, oh, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Uh, the, the Roxy, uh, it's, I mean, the reputation uh, has its own. Uh, <laughs> it, the Roxy flu is still uh, maybe not as prominent as it was uh, back, in, uh, back in the day. No, I don't think they serve much Gatorade there anymore. <laughs> so uh, great place. Uh, Vancouver is an awesome spot. I'm Canadian from Ottawa. I haven't been to Vancouver since the draft and probably only the second time in 15 years. But I love it here. I love the passion. I love the, the coaching staff that you guys have here in Vancouver now. Rick Tockett's a, a good friend, but also he was a coach of mine in Colorado. Adam Foote was one of my teammates. So I, I, I love seeing the success they're having early, even though they have a young team. Uh, what they're doing because they're led by a great group and I'm, I'm just really happy for the organization and and where they're headed well you mentioned Adam Foote how you played with him did you imagine that he would be a coach and be a good coach at that absolutely yeah like talk talk was a coach and I knew like mm -hmm. he could he could deal with players especially at a, at a younger age and I think that's important is involving and, and learning 
how to motivate players yeah. uh, not in the same age group as you. Uh, Footer was, I think he's a Hall of Famer hockey player. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame person. And he knows, especially because he has two kids that play the game. And I yeah. think that's, that, like, he coached the Colorado Thunderbirds as they were growing up. And he, he evolved and learned how to coach kids. And he has kids that, you know, didn't have an easy path to the NHL or AHL, whatever it may be. So I think I think the big thing in understanding the Elias Pettersons and, and the and the Jack Hughes, Quinn Hughes who plays here, it's an easy route, right? And yeah. there's no really downs for them. That I, I, th- I think the really successful coaches in the world, whether it's an assistant or or a head coach, is learning. That there's a lot of ups and downs, right? And how to deal with how to managing those guys. And I think both of those guys understand that as people more than coaches well and coaching i mean as we know has, has changed quite a bit but the way the way the players talk about this coaching staff has really stood out even you know from the you know they they were together for 30 games 36 games at the end of last year and everybody's end of season interview was just talking about how much adam foot they're learning from him and sergey gonchar and all these guys that are, are here with the vancouver canucks coaching staff and you know, it seems like that connection between the coaching staff and the players is, is starting to show on the ice with the way they started the season. Yeah, they're they're a talented group. Yeah. They're still a young group. Like, in general, they're a young group, but I think you have to learn how to win. Like, you have to take your bumps, and it, it's hard to win in the National Hockey League. I don't know if they're, they're as good as they are record-wise right now, and I think they have a lot of learning. I think the coaching staff knows that there's a lot of, a lot of growing pains that's still going to go through the team, but... Here's what I can tell you. They're very proud of this group and the way that they work every single day, not only in the games, but in the practices. And, you know, you see a 10-1 win last night. Yeah. Um, still come under fire. It's just the yeah. Canadian mar- market. Oh, my God, why didn't you challenge this yeah. play? Like, the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Could have got Demko the shot up. Like, yeah. oh, are you, are you crazy? <laughs> like, you respect the opposition. Yeah. Right. And... I, I think that's why I love Rick. I, lo- I love that whole coaching staff. But in general, this is a really good team going forward. Are they a Stanley Cup champion or contender right now? No. But they're a good team. Mm-hmm. And, and they have a lot of pieces in place in the next couple of years. And I think it's just great for the city. What do you think of JT Miller? He's always a hot uh, uh, button issue here. I love his game. We always talk about like the, the physicality he plays with. And there aren't enough players like him in the league. A center who can be two-way force, can be physical, can play as heavy as he can play, protects the puck as well as he does. Do people know how good he is outside the market? No. he doesn't get talked about enough. No. Give me a guy with emotion, and I'll take it. Some days it's going to be over the top, and you're going to be like, why did he do that? Some days you're going to be like, he's trying to lead. He's trying to give you emotion every single day. It's hard to do that for 82 games. Mm Mm-hmm. And then once you get in the playoffs, it's, it's, it's very easy. But to play 82 games with the physical style that he plays and the way that he plays it is very hard. He's a great player. I'm guaranteeing if you, if you want to trade JT Miller, every other team in the league will want him. Yeah. So be careful what you wish for because he's a really good player. He's emotional. Is there ups and downs and can he control it a little bit more? Absolutely. Yeah. But give me the emotion, and I'll, and I'll take it. Well, power forwards like him, they just don't, especially with the skill and the, the talent, the vision that he has, they just don't really exist in the game. Tom Wilson's the only other one yeah. in the other conference. Tom yeah. Wilson's a great player. I know everyone hates him, but he's tough. He can score. 
Yeah. Give me a guy that can score and is, is physical and strong and, and competes every shift. I'll take that guy every day of the week. And the game in the playoffs has, hasn't really changed. We talk about the regular season, but the yeah. playoffs, yeah, it's changed slightly, but it's still the same game it was 20 years ago in terms of having success. He's going to eat. I, I think if they ever make a long drive under this regime, which I think they will, he's one of those guys that will be one of the most valuable players on the team. Pedersen's always going to put up points. Mm-hmm. Hughes is always going to put up points from the back end. But a guy you win with, look at Tampa. You know, the Kalorns, all those guys. Like He's that kind of guy that you know what you're going to get every single night. He's going to grind. He's not going to be soft, good defensively. He's a great player. Uh so this weekend, uh, you're a part of it here. Is this your, your first Autism first Network? First time. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty great. I mean, as uh, we've heard the stories of the luncheon today, it was pretty great. Uh, raised over a million dollars. I know you've, you've done some of these types of tournaments around, but they're great for a community and what they can do for a charity. It's my first time being to Vancouver for this event and humbled as a non-alumni being here, Canadian, and I know the passion that Canucks fans have and Watching today, the donations being poured in, and you're raising money for autism. Like, it doesn't get any better. So we give up our time, and we have fun. We get to drink, have beers, <laughs> and tell stories, uh, magnify them maybe a little bit with our friends, but it, it, it's awesome. And I got to sit at the TD uh, table today, and they were great people. I just love watching people raise money for a great cause. And I'm looking forward to a couple, uh, probably three days. Maybe I'll stay an extra day to stay with Talk <laughs> right. and, and Adam Foote and, and watch. I think they play Sunday. Yeah. And maybe fly out a day later. But uh, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Have a great time this weekend. Hey, cheers, guys. Thank you. Uh, that is uh, Matthew Barnaby joining us here at the uh, Canucks Autism Network Pro-Am Draft Night. We are... Uh, Getting ready for the event. It's kicking off. People are showing up. Uh, Sat and I will be emceeing the event again. Uh, Canucks Autism Network. Uh, so many great communities and uh, initiatives that they do uh, through this province, really, and um, giving those on the spectrum and families with those on the spectrum opportunities and a chance to play sports and through other different uh, programs as well it's it, it truly is a great initiative and over a million dollars raised i mean what else can you say yeah it's amazing and uh, we're just ha- glad to be here to be part of it and uh, have some good interviews it was great to talk to matthew barnaby as well yeah. uh good insight on the coaching staff and how they feel and uh he's he's right at home on this show jt yep. miller central he's a big fan so <laughs> and uh rick talking and adam foot they know some adversity is coming but uh, they're very proud of the team for uh one of rick talkett's old players uh, that was uh, early in his career his first coaching gig was in uh, colorado as an yeah. assistant uh, in the early 2000s for rick tockett uh, dan Rachel and satyar shaw shout to josh elliott wolf on location with us and ben bastrom back at master control you are listening to canuck central